0: we to another episode of Mujer de Éxito, Unbounded Woman of Success Without Limits. I'm Marty Angel, your host for this podcast. Soy Marty Angel, su anfitriona para este podcast, este show. Let me tell you, there are no coincidences why you're here today listening to this. Remember, this message came to you because you're supposed to listen to it. No hay coincidencia que ustedes están escuchando este mensaje hoy. Y me da mucho gusto de que estén aquí. I am really happy that you are here. Just remember that this is a podcast, entrepreneurial podcast, where we share stories of women, mujerpreneurs, that have gone from surviving to thriving and more. Entrepreneurial roller coaster is what we're all on. Siempre estamos aquí para compartir las historias de éxito de todas nuestras mujeres. Mujerpreneur, you have come to the right place, and I'm so excited for today's show. But first, festivals, football, flannels. Some say fall is their favorite time of year, and this fall, Welcome everybody again to another episode of Mujer de Éxito, Unbounded, Woman of Success Without Limits. Once again, if you have made it to this podcast, like I said before, you are here because you were meant to hear this message. And today, ahora, amigas, mujeres chulas, I have a special person sitting right here with me. And even though we're on the separate coast, right, she's over in Florida, I'm over in California, we still come together, we still support each other, and thus we show you that it can be done. And I have with me today a mujer de éxito, unbounded herself, Gilza Fort-Martinez. And I'm going to let her introduce herself. Bienvenida a Gilza Fort-Martinez. Ella habla español. Entonces aquí estamos para escuchar su historia. Gracias, gilsa Thank you so much for tell us a little bit about you. Well... Marty, thank you.
1: Gracias. This is wonderful to we'll spend a, a, a bit of time on a Friday afternoon, um, los viernes sociales, right, to be able to <laughs> have that. Um, I am a, a marriage and family therapist for over 25 years. I I am a wife. I'm a mother of two grown daughters at, at this point. point, uh, two uh, young women who are out there kind of navigating their their paths. And um, I, after as many years of, of working with couples, families, but particularly with women, you know, really wanting to help them navigate their paths um, through all of the, you know, slings and arrows, as they say, that, that life throws at us, um, I still really enjoy what I do. I really I think it's important to, to be able to be the one that holds the, um, light at the end of that dark tunnel sometimes. Mm. So it, it's still a passion for me.
0: Mm. I love what you said right now, holding that light at the end of the dark tunnel, you know, um, So many times I remind myself that, you know, I'm coming out of the dark, I'm coming out of the dark and there's people behind me and I'm holding the light so that they can see the end of the tunnel, you know, and I think, I think one of the things is, is that when we, when we as leaders, um, you know, go through our own thing, it just makes us stronger Mm -hmm you know, stronger for whatever it is that we've been through and, you know, and so we need to go back and be grateful. Let me ask you this though. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this. So, um, you have, you, you're working for yourself. You're an entrepreneur, right? Right. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. But when did it start and how did you get your start?
1: Um, I have been in private practice for, uh, like I said, over 25 years, um, for me, it started kind of a, a, a two prong thing. Um, see, I was supposed to be an attorney um, <laughs> as a first uh, generation, um, the oldest daughter in a family uh, of Cuban refugees, because my parents really considered themselves political refugees all of their life. I was supposed to be an attorney like my father. And I promise you, Marty, I tried. I really <laughs> tried. I went through junior year in college trying history, political science, pre-law, really trying to be able to do, you know, that the the cultural and the traditional kind of expectations that we all have definitely as as children, but definitely in my case, I was the first daughter and my father believed in education and that was what I was supposed to do. So it was quite a blow to him when I said to him, you know, papi, te quiero, te adoro, all of this, but I just can't do law. I just can't. Um, And it took us many years. I mean, he always supported me. He and my mother always supported my, my ideas, but it took him many years for him to understand why, why would, why did I want to do this? What was it about psychology that, that called me? And until he finally understood that we both helped people, you know, my father mm-hmm. was a, a, an amazing attorney. My father was a, um, a defense attorney so my father believed in the letter of the law um it wasn't you know it wasn't often about money for him it was really about you know writing the wrong kind of thing and for him to really understand then that i was helping people too but in a different way and so that was one piece of wanting to be on my own because at the very least then he said bueno you have to put your own place together right i mean you're not going to work at a hospital all your life or something (laughs) like that so that was one prong. and then yes um you know you do all the things that you need to do to become a clinician in florida you get licensed and and you have supervision and all of that and at a certain point I did want to have, you know, my own four little walls here, the ones and that I that I painted and that I knew I wanted to really create a space where people could really unload and unpack. It's such a scary thing this whole mystery of of doing counseling or doing therapy that I really wanted to create a space that was that was inviting and that was safe enough that people would be able to Leave their, you know, kind of their stuff here, and consider other paths as they, you know, walked out the door, kind of, and and so for me that was always my um, my my vision was to mm-hmm. do things a little bit in my way, and then like you were saying, I created for a long time, for many years, a practice primarily of women, but uh, not 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 solely of women clinicians. And we worked with the family from infancy all the way to you know, adulthood, dealing with different kinds of populations and really kind of worked together, referring to each other, working in, in that sense. So for a long time, I had a team loosely, but we had a team that worked together to, to kind of help a family through, through different kinds of transitions. So um, at this point, I'm kind of back to doing more of my own thing You know, a lot of the little chickies that I trained and all of that have kind of gone to do some of their own thing. Um, But it's all been a great part of, uh, as you said, kind of creating my own own thing and really wanting it because I wanted to be able to do it my way.
0: Now, let me ask you this. So you're a licensed marriage and family therapist, right? Mm -hmm. And so why that? why, you know, why family, why marriage, why, you know, what, what was it about that, that, um, that drew you in and was it tough? What did it look like when you sat in, when you sat and I'm, you know, in college on, you know, Mm -hmm. I know what it looked like. What color did it look like for you?
1: Um, I mean, why, why the uh, marriage and family track because for me uh, the the family is the first social experiment that we are all involved in you know we're, regardless of what that experiment looks like whether we have primary caretakers or we don't whatever that looks like for us creates very much the the way that we interact with the world good mm. bad you know beautiful ugly it it all begins with that initial state. And the, the the way that people come together, the way that people stay together, what are ways to, to help people stay together in, in more loving and more empathic ways, all of those things were what called me uh, within the, the large field of mental health, what really called me was, well, I want to work on that initial, you know, piece and structure.
0: Ah, yeah, that's very insightful to be able to see that, to to see it that way. I mean, that's beautiful. I love the way that you, you know, kind of said, I want to see that because that is the blossoming of everything. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. Yeah. Now let's talk about being a Latina in that era and in that, in that, during that genre of, you know, Latinas were supposed to be you know, bathroom cleaners, secretaries, uh, you know, that type of thing.
1: Right. See, like I said to you, I, I was very blessed in that for, for Cuban parents um, that came over at the beginning of the revolution and they were in their mid thirties. My parents were pretty progressive for, particularly around education. So, education was expected. I needed to do something and it wasn't going to be a secretary in my family. Okay. (laughs) There was, there was that kind of higher expectation, but as you said, then you hit the reality of being, you know, the only dark haired, dark eyed little girl in my, you know, sixth grade class when, when we first moved uh, to Miami. Um, So Uh, those were, I had the expectations at home and some of the support there, and then we would go out into the rest of the world. And, you know, it, it was nice. I could be a nurse. I could be a social worker. That that within my field, the social work was okay. Um, But I was going to work for somebody. You know, I was going to work in a hospital. I was going to work in an agency. So those were, as you were saying, sitting in the college classroom. When I finally was able to say to to my dad, Bobby, you know, this is what I want to do, and this is going to be a degree that I have to keep going because I'm not going to. You know, be able to stay with just a bachelor's in psychology. Um, you know, it was it was hard to look around and really see the entrepreneur piece. Okay, mm. because people said to me, "Oh, this is this is great. You'll get your master's degree." I had people that helped me get licensed. You know, I, I've been blessed with strong, particularly strong women that have helped me throughout my career. Um, but I heard a lot at the beginning, shortly after I was uh, licensed, But eh, you're not going to be able to, to live off of private practice. You know, he said, you're going to have to do private practice always on the side. Um, you, you, you need to have a job. And then you can see a few people on, on the side. And I was like, "But this is a lot of work. <laughs> <You> know, <that's laughs> my job. Um, and I heard that a lot. De morir de uh, you can't um, uh, sustain a, a private practice um and and I I didn't come from parents like that so uh. definitely uh, I was like well you know I I liked working in the hospital and I and I felt like each piece of my path has has served me but at a certain point I was like oh, no I really want to do this I have ideas that I want to be able to to share and do in my way, and so that was a big one, you know. Really being able to kind of keep my head up and say, well, you know, I'm not going to make uh, millions of dollars, but oh, I can make a living. Mm-hmm.
0: You know,
1: I I I can uh, I I can do okay. I can I can pay all my bills. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. You know. So um. So uh. What. What was the turning point? When did, what, what was it a, um, a certain situation? What was it? Was it, you know, maybe you were, it felt, what it was it that you felt that it was like, okay, yeah, basta. Ahora me salgo y sigo adelante como yo solita, you know?
1: Well, I'll tell you, that was more of a personal situation for me Um, because professionally I was moving along, but I had, um I had married at around 22, 23, like a lot of us do. Um, it was a definitely the way to be able to have more life experiences when you grow up in a very traditional Cuban family, okay? Um, and um, I grew up with that kind of Cinderella story, you know, I'm going to you know, find my prince and I'm going to live happily ever after. And then there was infidelity and that was devastating for me. And that all happens just as I'm graduating from my master's program. Okay. And I was devastated and, The, the working with other people, I worked in a hospital at that point, that was very helpful. I had a really good community that many of those people are my friends still today. You know, again, 25 mm-hmm. years later,
0: mm-hmm. they
1: they really helped me through that piece. But it also, as you said, really clarified for me, um, you know what, There there are some things that I'm going to have to end up doing here by myself. Uh, you know this Cinderella thing, you know, is not is not working for me. You know, it's not uh, the prince wasn't as charming, and and his horse was a little dirty. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't I love it. Horse. yeah. So oh, the yeah. turning point for me ends up being um, personal. It takes me about a year and change after I I divorce that I meet my my current husband, the father of my daughters, and. Um, he is a very much of a of a businessman and um in in his conservative way a risk taker you know and he he really was the final push that said to me uh I mean wh- what do you have to lose here you are licensed you have a, a you know a resume a worst case scenario you go back and you get a job but what's What is the worst case scenario? You go, let's get a little office together, get yourself going. So he was the final push that said, listen, we don't, neither one of us has any money right now. What, how much more can we lose at this point? You know, let's just go with it. And, you know, that really was the final push for me. And I just, you know, I, I, like I said, I've had mentors along the way. And so networking for me is super important, always being able to talk with people, but it, the personal piece is what finally pushed me into, uh, I, I think I can do this okay on my own.
0: Wow. What an amazing story. I love, you know, that that you have... Um, so experienced. And, and isn't it true that as we experience, you know, ourselves, then we rise up from the dust like a phoenix, right? And yes. then we stand strong and we become that, that uh, beacon of light. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like, you know, something that you have done, you know, through your experience. Um, but for the, you know, for my listeners, a lot of them are mujerpreneurs and I call them mujerpreneurs because they, like I said, they are Latina, bilingual or not, right? Right. They can be bilingual because I want to make sure that people understand that not every Latina is bilingual. Right. And so for them, for somebody that is kind of, um, you know, going through, let's say infidelity you send mm-hmm. you know because that kind of tends to be you know more commonplace than not I hate to mm-hmm. say that but you know
1: saying, but yes. and and I'm
0: sure you you know better than I do but um but you know what would you say to them what would you as they're going through this que, you know que les puedes ofrecer unas palabritas?
1: I tell you that my um there's Two main things that I consider kind of my secret sauce, so to speak. Okay. One is to always be willing to be a learner, a student. Okay. Um, estar dispuesto a aprender, you know, because we are taught one way, and many times we think that's the only way that there is because this is the way things have always been done. And in reality, it's not. Okay. We have to be able to be open to to trying something new and never knowing. And then the other piece for me is, you know, just every once in a while, particularly as you were saying, as a mujer, uh, I've been then, you know, a wife and a mom, and for many years until earlier this year, a caregiver for my parents as they mm-hmm. aged. Okay, so lots of different roles that that women have and that we are expected to play simultaneously. Yes. And right. And to be able to do them at 150% all the time, expectations across the board. That's not just for us as Latinas. Right. But I think it's very pronounced for us as Latinas. So for me, then the second piece is about, can you hit the pause button every once in a while and just, you know, kind of breathe. Mm. And then you're going to have to believe. You're going to have to step in because other people are going to naysay you. You know, there's going to be lots of people, sometimes within your family, but definitely in in the in the circles around you. You know that are going to tell you, "No, you can't do that. ¿Cómo vas a hacer eso? ¿Vas a dejar a los niños en la casa?" Mm. You're going to leave your kids and you're going to do a business trip. You're going to do, you know, so there's going to be a lot of of that. Sometimes with good intentions. Um, but there's going to be a lot of that. And I really just, I, I tell my clients all the time, breathe, just, just stop a second, take a breath, and then believe you got to really clearly, what's your vision? What's your vision? And I want you to draw it out for me. And I want you to put in color. And I want you to, so that you can figure out how your pieces fall together. I started my practice when my oldest daughter was two and a half. So my husband and Mm -hmm. I were both new parents trying to figure this out. And I was afraid, as as you said. So I Mm -hmm. kept a job during the day. Eight to four, I worked in the hospital. And then I started to see clients from four to nine. And at Mm -hmm. a certain point, 12, 15-hour days with a toddler was just not sustainable. (laughs) Not sustainable. So for me, it was the, those would be my, my secret sauce. You, you gotta be willing to learn. I got, I had to be willing to ask people to say, is this okay? Uh, But not one person, kind of a tribe. And then I had to step into it at certain point. I'm going to have to believe in myself because right. Ain't nobody going to do it for me kind of thing.
0: Right, right. And, and, um, so now, um, fast forward, you have a thriving clinical practice Mm -hmm. and, and you have, a um, you have a team Mm -hmm. and one of the things that I think is like a big, I want to say a big um, hurdle for a lot of um, you know the women that I coach the mujeres, Mm -hmm. they're like okay they can be solopreneurs, right? But when it comes to being you know to adding like okay I need a bookkeeper or Mm -hmm. I need a CPA or I need Mm a receptionist or I need you know I think for for women. Mm-hmm. And Latinas, especially, very pronounced. You know, we grew up with that, with that stigma, with that mentality. Tu puedes hacerlo todo, todo, todo. And if you no puedes, no lo hagas. Right? right? You right. Can, you can do it all for my English speakers. You can do it all, and if you do, can't do it all, then don't do it. Right. right? Right. And so it's like, oh my God, you know, at what point do we do we like okay? give some of the reins away. So how did you come up? You know, um, how many people do you have in your office now? And how did you begin to give the reins away? Or how did you do that?
1: I have to tell you, that's um, a constant struggle for me, even as many years as I have. Um, at At this point, I have about four 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 people that work with me you know and not for me but with me and um all all clinicians all marriage and family therapists yes all all of us actually happen to be marriage and family therapists right now and um it's a lesson that i that that fear that fear of letting go of control like okay I got this. Um I'm already on the edge. I'm already, you know, doing something I'm not supposed to do, right? Being on my own. Uh no me quiero morir de hambre. All of these so for many years I held very tightly to the reins. Other than an accountant, which again my husband forced me to do. He said you 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 don't do numbers and it's true. I don't I don't think in numbers. <laughs> so he's like other than an accountant, I um was doing everything, you know, myself from uh, cleaning the office to uh, billing the clients to actually sitting with my clients and 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 helping them through their transitions. I have to tell you that only three years ago did I finally say, okay, it's time to really, you know, trust everything you're telling people. Now you really have to step into it again, right? I trusted once 25 years ago. And then now I have to really trust again that I need people to really guide me. And this was just before the pandemic happened, that I was mm-hmm. in that transition where I invested not only some time, but more importantly, money mm-hmm. on myself, on my business, where I got into the technology world, created you know a website and got into social media. But I hired people to actually do it. And that was huge for me, yeah. huge for me, Marty, to have a team. I have two, um, I call them young women because, you know, they are, they, they could be my daughters at this point, <laughs> but they are mohedpreneurs themselves. And they have helped me really navigate this whole, you know, scary world of technology. And that has been so freeing for me. Because these mm. kinds of things of being able to have a conversation with you only are <laughs> happening because they help me create that. I mm. I don't know how to do that or to find you know exciting people like you. I I don't know how to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? but really, only three years ago, and I would any any woman that I talk to now, business wise, I that's one of the first things I tell them. I said, you you have to be willing to let go of some of the control in order to gain more of your control back.
0: Right. Freedom, freedom. And that isn't that what we really want at the end of the day, even, you know, when, when I sit with my, um, you know, when, with my clients and, and I tell them, okay, so, w- you know, why do you want to start a business? Let's take a look at this. What's your vision? What's your goal? Let's put a mission together. You know, you've got to know who you're serving. you got to bring clarity to who you're serving and why are you serving them and the difference between passion and everything. And at the end of the day, what's that big goal? And, and it's all, and first of all, they think it's money,
1: mm-hmm. right? right? And then
0: I have to go beyond that. I have to teach them. We stop at money as, as Mujerpreneurs, we stop. Quiero dinero, quiero dinero, pero ese dinero uh-huh. que te va a dar. What is that money going to give you? That's where it is. Right. If you That's can't go means. beyond, if you can't go beyond the money, right, really, truly you, you're not going to be able to, to, you know, to thrive. Right. Because as a businesswoman, you've got to see what is it about the money part that you want. And at the end of the day, we all want that freedom that you just said. Yeah. It's truly the freedom. Mm-hmm. Money's just a means, you know, to an end. And the end is truly freedom of time, freedom of choice, freedom of, you know, cause we want the freedom to say, Mm, today, no quiero hacer nada, or mm, today, I want to go over here, or mm, today, you know, and so when we finally break through and realize that that what we all really want in life is is to give us back some time, Mm -hmm. then I think that, you know, that's helped me as a business coach, help them finally really uh, begin to you know, expand, because if you don't let go, there's no way you can make a six-figure income. No. It's, si nos, um, uh, is what my dad would say, yeah. tienes que soltar las riendas para que el caballo vuela. And, mm-hmm. you know, and so my horse would fly, you know, you can't, right. you've got to let go of the reins in order for your horse to be free. Right. And it's scary.
1: It's uh, yeah. a scary thing to let go of the reins like that. What if the horse runs away? What if you fall over? What if you get runned over? It's it's a scary thing. Yeah,
0: yes. it is. It is. It's in an, and um, you know, one of the things that people need to understand is um in business, you know, if you've made it past five years, that's great. Keep going. But you know, there's the chance that you're gonna be a millionaire in five years is you know uh, maybe not a truth that you should be searching for. <laughs> right. 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 But um you know it's 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 just amazing like that. Um you know mm-hmm. how how even though you're uh you know you're uh, helping people with their relationships I want to mm-hmm. say mm-hmm. at the end of the day you know we're all helping people mm-hmm. you know um, right I'm helping with them with their relationship to their business, you're helping them with their relationship to their home family life, mm-hmm. which is all in kind of put together, right?
1: It does. It all goes together. If 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 mama ain't happy at home, it's very <laughs> hard then, right, to really be focused and clear at work and and vice versa. So you're right, it all it all definitely goes together.
0: I know it does. And you know, um, right now that you said that it's so funny because I had never heard that before. And one of my mentors, um, who I don't think lives anymore, he was, you know, um, I was in a, I was in a field, um, I was teaching math, dance and computers, right. And, and, um, ESL. So, um, when I went to college, I didn't, you know, we went to, you know, I wasn't, I didn't feel like I could teach the college algebra. I just Mm -hmm. didn't, you know, that wasn't, you know, and he was like, no, you are going to teach you. People need your expertise in English and Spanish and math. Mm -hmm. And, and it was like, oh my gosh, you know, and (laughs) at his, he beckoned me to, you know, to move into the college scene Mm -hmm. God, for about a year and a half before he actually opened the door for me and said, "Uh, you guys have to talk to this woman. She does, um, you know, she, you know, scores are going up everywhere she goes and stuff like that. But he was the one he was at that point in time. He was 80. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And he was still teaching and, and, and not only that, but he was still working out. So he was the strongest 80 year old that I ever knew. Right. And he would challenge me to do that many abs because I was in the fitness department too. And, and he would challenge me. And one day he says to me, and I, and he gets up, he gets up in the middle of our workout. He gets, he looks as, and he gets up and he walks And he walks away and he's going toward the door. And I go, wait a minute, wait a minute, Perdette." I go, where are you going? He says, it's time to go. And I said, why? And he said, because mama said so. And he (laughs) looks at me and he says, because if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, honey. That's it. That's it.
1: Okay. Even my father, who was a, 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 a defense attorney, dealt with, you know, high-end criminals here in Miami when my mother got a certain cast, a certain look in her face. <laughs> Did you hear your mother? <laughs> Me my father la cabeza and nobody could get my father to do that. But my mother, so
0: you're,
1: you're right. You're right.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you know, and one of the things that I think um, that is like a stigma that, um, kind of follows us as Latinas is, you know, we can give that look, right. You know, and I remember so clearly when my oldest one time, you know, had brought home some friends and, and, uh, you know, I had a spread for them and things like that. And I was going to go, I had to go back to supervise a, a basketball game. And, but I said, here, you know, is everything you need and this and that. And one of the, and one, and um, always eating healthy and stuff, and the one of the kids goes, "Oh, is this all you have to eat?" <laughs> <laughs> and and my daughter was like, mm. <laughs>
1: "Right, exactly." Right?
0: And then I just gave the look. I just looked at the child. I didn't right. say anything. I just looked at him. And my, my oldest goes, "Oh." Oh, no, you don't want to do that. She just gave you the look, honey. I'm getting up. I'll see you later. I'll see you later, exactly, exactly. But so, that is, it's that look, verdad? Tenemos. It, it,
1: <laughs> it is. It's a particular look. They all know it. I, uh, my daughters, laugh. You only develop it after you're a mother. I don't know. That's at least that's been my experience. I don't yes. think I had the look before I had my kids. <laughs> could be wrong, but in my case,
0: (laughs) I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. It's that look that you get that it just, you know, there's something about that. You know, you feel blood coming up and this goes right into your eyes, right? (laughs) Right.
1: Exactly. And the eyebrow, I have one (laughs) eyebrow that, that would rise, you know, with the I'm not sure you, you, you want to go to that next step.
0: <laughs> yes. And um, so let's talk a little bit about um, you. Actually, we have something in common that I didn't know we have. That's what I love about doing these podcasts. Um, my mom just passed um, a year ago, but I had to take care of her because um, she had Alzheimer's. She was a victim of uh, elder abuse
1: oh i'm sorry
0: and i'm um, not from my father but from her second husband mm. and uh and and we talk about that you know that many you know i didn't like going to the therapy groups because mm-hmm. i I heard a lot of complaining and there weren't a lot. Of, in fact, there was only one other Latina in this therapy group oh. when I first started mm-hmm. because my mom had Alzheimer's and, and I was going to be, you know, I was her caregiver. And so I had to pull back from my business, pull back from my job and, and, you know, do everything, be able to have, you know, still a part-time college professorship associate yeah. professorship and still, you know, um, the other job was my fitness instructing because I've always done that. And then be a mom, a wife right, and a daughter caregiver. Yes. And to the point where, you know, um, I had to change diapers that I didn't ever think I had to do, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, that it's it's um yeah so mm-hmm. for that you know um I had I like I said I had to pull away from that therapy group because all I heard was uh, complaining I you know mm-hmm. I have to do this I have to do that and was, and in my voice it wasn't like I I don't like the words I have to I like the words I got to
1: mm-hmm.
0: so I got the chance. Mm-hmm. to really be a mom for my mom. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I got the chance because, you know, you spend all your time growing up, but, you know, you, you talk about that. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about what was that for you? And and if we're doing that as Latinas, we have a tendency to, there you know, to be, more caregivers, there are more Latina caregivers than any other um, I've done the research than any mm. other ethnicity out there. Mm. And I think it's our deber right Yes it's, it's our it's our loyalty to familia I think yes. and um, but what would you say to somebody you know now I can say this this too shall pass and enjoy it? Those would be my words, you know, and and realize it's a blessing. But what would you say to somebody to help them through that? I mean,
1: that's that's um, uh, a lovely way to look at it. What you just said there, in the sense that I got to, you know, I I uh, I too um, when my father died about seven years ago, but my mother was still here then you know so that kind of eased his transition um, his his death by having her around and so forth and um, I I again am, am been very blessed in in many ways uh, my mother was really in pretty good shape um, mentally um, her body definitely started to decline and my mother just passed now in June of this year um, it I too think that I got the opportunity to really help my mother kind of go through this transition of being uh, my go to person always in my life to me really having to do more and more for her and to do it in a, in a, I would say in a dignified way, you know, mm-hmm. to, to give her as much of her uh, space or her independence. She did not want to live with me. She stayed living in the house where she and my dad lived. Um, the most I was able to convince my parents was to move near me. So they were like around the block from me, but in their own home. And um, it was very challenging, as you said, my challenge became in really convincing her that she needed more assistance. So to have uh, my my mother was, you know, la que mandaba en su casa, the mm-hmm. one in charge. And to mm-hmm. start to bring in people. So personas extrañas a su casa. Yeah. Because she did not want to live with me, even though we had a great relationship and with my husband as well. Uh, but she wanted her space. Like mm-hmm. she said to me, ¿me quieres reducir a un cuarto de una casa? Mm-hmm. So from a house to live in one room. And right. that was very, you know, powerful for me when she said, you know, I, I really don't want that. Um, mm. So my struggle in the last two or three years as she declined was really letting, having her let me help her. Right. right. Having her let me help her and um and so but i i do have to say that like you i i f- i feel that i that the time that i spent with her like every little circle was closed i didn't leave anything unsaid or undone and that's right. one of the things that i really encourage either my friends or my clients um you know death is a part of 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 life and if if you can really just you know, be okay with it. Meaning let's have a conversation about it. Let's have a discussion about where that falls in your life. And with all of these roles, because like you said, I I didn't stop being a mom or, or a wife. I stepped away from my practice a little bit, a few months, right. In Mm -hmm. in, in, Mm -hmm. as my mother really deteriorated and, and then died, but it's really about for me, Let's talk about it. Let's have all the conversations um, to as much as you can leave. Na- no stone unturned kind of okay. thing. Oh. Yeah.
0: Sounds great. Mm-hmm. Um, sweetie, I could sit here and talk to you for a long time. Yes. And I appreciate your time. I so appreciate this charla we're having. And, um, I want my listeners to be able to reach out to you. And I think you have something also. Can you guide them? What do you have for them?
1: Um, the best way to uh, find me is uh, my website, which is hilsafort.com. Okay. Just my first uh, name and my maiden name, my father's name there, Fort. Um, uh that's where you can best get a feel for who I am and how I do things, and some of my uh, Monday morning musings, as I call them, when I do a little bit of writing or on the blog on my blog. Um, and then, as we were saying before, on on Instagram, you can find me at Tough Love Healer. Um, love it, I love it. Always happy to to chat with uh, anybody that that wants a, a little conversation, a little you know, redirection, <laughs> any of that.
0: Do you do any Zoom, any long distance, um, you know, um, work?
1: Yes, I do. I um, I use a different platform that's called Doxy, okay. Okay. but I do both virtual as well as I am still Perfect. old school, no matter what my kids say. And I do <laughs> a lot of people here in the office, but I do do the pandemic taught me how to, yeah. again, keep being a student, keep learning yes.
0: Keep learning. Yes, I believe so. Miha, it has been a pleasure. Yes. Un placer estar Un placer. aquí contigo. Thank you so much for joining me today on Mujer de Éxito Unbounded. You are truly a Mujer de Éxito Unbounded. Gracias por estar aquí. Listeners, please make sure to find her and follow her on Instagram. She is a wealth of knowledge. Today we only touched very little on what on what she works with, but you can tell that she is an amazing woman. She is an amazing person. And I'm just so blessed to have met you. Thank and you. hopefully this won't be the last time that we actually enjoy each other's company.
1: I'd be happy so. to chat with you, and if you ever get onto my side of the uh, country, un cafecito, Ay, hay igual. un cafecito.
0: Igual, igual, igual. Cuando te vengas para acá, también, right? We're on igual. two exactly. ends. We're on the two different coasts, right? Two different exactly. coastlines. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank well, you. Thank you. Thank you. And as always, have a beautiful day, my listeners. As always, hit that. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button that you can always see when my guests are on. And you can listen to the audio. It drops December 16th. And you can listen to it anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcast shows. As always, I'm so incredibly grateful. Gracias. Y que tengan bonito día. This episode brought to you by Celebi Hydrating and Lifting Sheet Mask. The Aviv Hydrating and Lifting Sheet Mask locks in intense moisture to perfectly prime your skin for restful sleep. Apply this relaxing hydration serum several times a week to pamper yourself and radiate your healthier looking complexion. Sheet masking is all the rage right now. Make it a regular part of your healthy skincare regimen today. Celeviv hydrating, and lifting sheet mask. Click the link below and get yours today.